The views on this podcast are only the views of the people expressing them, even though they're right, you fuckers. Oh yeah, we also curse. us communicate better with you guys because communication is important we have a shiny new website we have the facebook page which is a fun place we're sharing all kinds of exciting things there if you want if you want tiny tiny tidbits of rants that's where to that's where to go because i share shit to the page all the time trolls don't come at us because i'll eat you um that, that is the fact. Um, yeah, Facebook is where we are very active in just general communication. Um, the Facebook page is located at www.facebook.com forward slash we all have an X chromosome. Now, the website, which is all shiny and new, which will also link you to our Patreon and PayPal because we got those up shiny and new, um, is www.xchromosomepodcast.com. You can also find our email address on our shiny new website. So please email us. We do respond. Bill is a busy bee with all of the typing. He's very good about responding. And if he doesn't respond, it's probably been kicked over to me and I'm a dip and have forgotten. So please email us again and be like, hey, did I fall in a hole? Yep. That would just easily go to write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. Yes, I did. So, Get that yeah. fixed. <laughs> Excellent. We have a root. Everything works now. <laughs> we are doing better than some MMOs. <laughs> um, but yes. Uh, yeah, I went there. I'm rude. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, check out everything like that. Especially we, I'll be honest, I've been putting money into this podcast. Um, out of all the other podcasts that I've done, I've done more to self-start this podcast than any other podcast um i mentioned it on facebook that this is a labor of love um and we want everybody to support us so we could build this a lot better and sound better do everything better. <laughs> i might have a way of words when i'm writing but not when i'm talking <laughs> yeah we well see talking is just writing out loud so i don't understand what your problem is We'll figure it out. My fingers write faster than my mouth does. Right, that's fair. I mean, that's that's one of those things we will be getting into in your 
intro episode, which is what you're getting today, is you get to hear me talk to Bill about writing and depression and not taking his damn meds. And we both have ADHD, so when we're random spazzes, you know we've both forgotten. Um, And we apologize, but not very seriously. Um, Tons of feminism, imposter syndrome, which we both suffer from. That's fun. Um, I also do a little uh, lit um, literature review slash reader's advisory with him, because at my core, I am a librarian, and I just can't stop that shit. Um, I will fact check you into the basement. (laughs) My degree is the folding chair that I bust over your head. And I used to have a wrestling podcast on top of it. <laughs> I had to, I, I I know just enough of wrestling to make slightly witty comments like that, just to make Bill feel like his weird fetish for people in spandex and covered in oil isn't. Creepy. And to think the wrestlers I prefer do not wear spandex and are covered in oil. I stopped paying attention in the 80s when everybody was spandex and covered in oil so oh they're still the there I'm just I, saying, I just don't like the wrestlers that are you like just that. Have to do- <laughs> but anyway also i want to add like subscribe whatever platform you're doing yes oh are you doing the are you trying to pitch things let me help you look this is a business thing and business is boring i know you want to listen to us shoot the shit and be angry about all of the bullshit that's going on and there's a ton of bullshit we're not going to be able to cover it all today so much bullshit just today um but business stuff uh to help us be able to bring you a better podcast we need you to like subscribe rate review apple Podcasts, spotify anywhere you can do that that tells the little algorithms that people are paying attention That'll help us get sponsors. Sponsors mean we can do more, more cool shit for you. We don't even—I don't even care what you put in the review. You can tell me that I have an obnoxious voice. I don't care. I'm not going to read them because, really, if you had something important to tell me, you would either contact us on Facebook or email me at the podcast. So, tell me your favorite Again, dinosaur. Email don't is care. write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. Oh, if you want me to ask you about um, it, want to be please email. Not only just write us about the podcast. Feel free to ask us questions, share our stories. We're going to go through and talk about issues not only pertaining to the world, but to our listeners, too. Yeah, we have the ability and or the uh, uh, stubborn stubborn bloody-mindedness to go through and actually talk about this shit and take the heat, so... Please shoot us an email. And we'll have people to take the heat with us. Well, we'll have guests, but we'll still eat the heat for those guys. We are getting... Somebody needs to clean out our inbox, because it's a hot mess up in yes, here. Yes, well, our inbox is... That hot mess is me going through with all the construction for everything techno- technologically-wise. <laughs> yeah, well, we're losing... There's, like, cool people email in here. Um, I did put out on my personal page to ask some of my... Uh, my male identifying friends what sort of things they have encountered from the uh the toxic masculine tropes that have made their lives shitty what have they seen that's non-toxic 
how are they fighting this shit? Reverend Doug Hagler, a friend of mine, had started this manliness blog, and I don't know how far he got with it. But one, I want to shout him out for actually actively seeking and researching modern men that are paragons of manly virtue. And I'm saying this from a classicist perspective, you know, they're that the thing that is the essence of what a good man is. And he had some cool profiles on there. So hopefully we'll be able to get him to admit that he wants to talk to us and he can talk to us about that project because it was pretty damn awesome. Um, but we all have lives and some of us are shy. But other, you know, we've got other people writing us as well, telling us their stories. So we do want to hear from you and we do want to make this about real people and real stories and what we are really doing to make the world a better, less awful place for everyone. While we're waiting for everybody to help us make the world less awful, it's now time to go to the awful part where you have to listen about me for a couple of hours. I mean, you can skip some shit. That's fine. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to feel hurt at all. (laughs) No, no, no. Don't skip his part. That being said about targeting, I've now made a folder in our inbox that says, not spam for Noelle to read, so she could ignore everything else other than that. Not spam. Yay, that's exciting. Because a lot of this, a lot of this stuff is business stuff, and if there's important business stuff, it'll also be in that folder. <laughs> so, on with the introduction. second introductions and I this is so far out of my idiom that there's there's just it's just not my thing to be leading off however this is going to be super edited so you're not going to have to listen to all of my stuttering and um, discomfort with being on the spot for leading into this as regular listeners of the podcast know I did an interview in episode 13 it is, I believe. Yes? Okay. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation. <laughs> but... To be fair, you're the first volunteer for this Oh, show. good. I'm a sucker. So, I did an... I, and uh, Bill here, our fearless host, asked for volunteers to interview him. And I said, sure, why not? Because turnabout is fair play. Um, And so here we are. I'm running an interview. And we will see what we can learn about our host. We put up a questionnaire on Ask FM. And nobody responded except two people. One of whom was incoherent. And the other of whom asks, do you have a person who can make you happy? Yeah, we're going to start off with some hard shit. So uh, buckle up, sunshine. (laughs) 
Yeah, this is in what's your Hogwarts house? Um, no, we all know your Hogwarts uh, house. You're, you're just you like every Hufflepuff on the fucking planet is all like Hufflepuff, Hufflepuff, and you're nuts about it. It's ridiculous. We sell out of Hufflepuff pins first and forever because you're ridiculous. And everybody knows all all the basic shit about you. This is for the good things. The deep cuts. So, see, the thing is, it's like you say that, but I've learned some basic stuff from people I've interviewed that I didn't know because it just came out in a portion of an interview during the deep cuts. And they're like, wait, you didn't know that basic shit about me? And I'm like, no, I didn't. Everybody knows your Hogwarts. Uh, person that makes. <laughs> person. Is there, do you have a person that can, who can make you happy? There is no designation that it's a romantic partner. So the field is open. There has to be somebody. There are people that I could be around that do not take away my energy. I wouldn't say that it makes me happy, but I do like to be around them. Um, okay, what is the difference between that and being happy? I've been basically in such a quote-unquote dead zone that it's been difficult for me to really go through and pull positive, happy emotions from people, so to speak. Um, there are things that I do to be happy or feel happiness and things of that nature. Um, and there are people that I am happy that they're in my life, but it's not that I have a specific person that, or people that I go to that I know that I will be happy being in their presence. As I do like to be around people, I do try to be around people that I can have positive interactions with that don't go through and emotionally drain me. Um, People like I, people that I've interviewed already on this podcast, for example, of course, um, like uh, Eric and Will. Um, in fact, I'm going to be moving in with a Will in January. Um, my friends Milky and Donnie. Um, we keep talking about redoing the wrestling podcast, but that coordination is like forever an issue because everybody that's involved with that have different times um there's other people that i'm going to be interviewing that i like being around that if they ask me to go somewhere i'll be like yeah let's go because deep down i do like to actually be around people but i wouldn't say there isn't anyone that there right now that makes me just think complete happy thoughts. Um, I have really, honestly, I, basically everybody that I'm going to list, I'm either, I've either already interviewed or 
I plan on interviewing. So it's like right now, everybody that has been interviewed is pretty much a good chunk of that, um, especially with their local people. Okay. Um, but no one I could say when I think about them, I think I'm around them. I'm completely, utterly happy. Does that make sense? A little bit. Um, it sounds like that's part of where you're at emotionally recovering from the bullshit with all that. Um, you had a pretty rough roll, rough uh, road there for a while uh, with that past relationship, uh, your housing situation, um, a bunch of stuff like that. So it's not a surprise. See, I put, I put so much energy like into work that when I'm outside of work, it's like I just can't even anymore. So, because work is basically my like my only real escape. <laughs> So the past four years have been a tough four years. I've been in similar. I know how it goes. So you're not at a point where you can say someone makes you happy because you haven't recovered from the someone who made you super unhappy. And we're not going to name names. Mostly because I don't know it. <laughs> and that's um, lucky for her. Um... Basically, yeah, we're going to make you talk about shit. <laughs> Sorry. Basically, it, it's not even really that. Um, it's really going from that into the next two years. Um, there, ha I've been around basically so much of a negative energy just to get out of that, that while... Theoretically, and everybody said it's will say no, it's not theoretically. Um, it's better that way. At the same time, it's worse. Um, because when you feel that you really have nothing going for you, it makes things tough. Mm -hmm. So you have to go through and try to find things to latch onto to continue to being able to move on. Um, to try to do things to find things with yourself and things of that nature. Um, between therapy and working on this podcast, working on other podcasts. Um, it's been something that I've been able to at least keep, a uh, watch over. Um, it's something that I can feel that I could, that I put, can put something out into the world and hopefully make a difference in, in some way. 
so to speak. So, yeah, we're probably going to talk a lot about your depression. I was going to be like, so, feminism and where it intersects with issues that men interact with. And this is going to be a big feminism thing. And I was going to watch you go all adorable about that. But that opening question's kind of rough. And Oh, well, with feminism, that's a lot easier to speak about. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's not your emotions. But I don't think people are going to come well, here and want to hear uh, just an angry fe- two angry feminists. So that would be a hilarious podcast concept. I'll, I'll pull. I'll put up a poll. Would you like to hear a podcast called Two Angry Feminists" with just talking about feminism? One being a guy and <laughs> guy feminists and girl feminists, woman feminists and male feminists. <laughs> intersectional feminism it's a thing it should be the only thing anything that's not intersectional feminism isn't feminism there thank you for coming to right. my ted talk <laughs> yeah um alpha rift uh what he had a, put a post on his um personal facebook he has someone made a comment that the world doesn't need more male feminists they only need they need more women involved in feminism and he was like here's this thing that someone says discuss <laughs> and it went it got discussed <laughs> so i'm sure it got ugly um <laughs> it's not about women i'm sorry about the coughing ladies and gentlemen i've had a cold for three weeks and this is the tail end of it if i laugh i cough if i breathe too deeply i cough don't get me a pillow that's only funny for silent hill fans um i'm fine don't you come near me james i'm gonna be okay um yeah so it's not that we need men or women involved in feminism. We need people. We need people to realize what's going on. But this isn't about me. This is about you. And you're deflecting. So, your take. Because you post a lot of stuff that's fairly on point feminism-wise and intersectionality-wise. How did you get so woke, white boy from New England? I, well, technically I'm a white boy from New Jersey. But oh, that's, that's even worse. Yeah, I mean, that's even worse. My <laughs> husband is a white boy from New Jersey. It took years of beating him over the head. So, um, white boy from New Jersey, your story, how did you become a feminist? I don't know. Well, that's literally the reason why this podcast exists. What about? Because, because I don't know if I'm a feminist because I live in one of the most liberal cities in America, in liberal New England, Boston, around all these liberal friends with liberal ideas and liberal everythings, or if I actually believe this because I have this ongoing fear that like, if you drop me in the middle of Alabama, my views might be completely different. 
I don't know if my views are really about survival, which I hope they're not, but I part of me believes that they are. Well, or not. You have a pretty healthy case of imposter syndrome. I mean, we're going to have to take a lot of work to burn that sucker down. But something about it resonates with you because it's not you when you enter into conversation in other spaces. I've seen you do this. I've seen you do this in our Discord game. I've seen you do this on Facebook. But the places I see you interact, you have no reason to do anything except for it pleases you. That's the neat thing about only knowing you online and knowing you through the interactions I know you. You only do things because they're in character, you feel strongly about them, or it pleases you to speak. Because otherwise you wouldn't comment. So what is it about the feminist-related stuff that you post that resonates with you that makes you want to share it? I think this goes back to sort of like being Hufflepuff, if you think about it this way. Um... I am a straight white man. I am a cisgendered white man. And I have friends that have to deal with other straight cisgendered white men and their bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Sorry. Just... Keep keep reading your sermon there, Reverend. Keep going. You're fine. <laughs> um, and a lot of that has to do with general toxicity within the... I want to say the male gender, but it... Or the white male gender, but it really is the male gender. Um... I I do Movember every year. It's the only time I shave my face. Um, at first, I was doing it because of just general depression. Um, this was even before these last four years. I've been doing it for like eight years now. Um, but first, it was just for like general depression and men committing suicide and things like that. But as the years progressed, it's really about men being afraid of going against their stereotype of what it is to be a man, which leads to all of this, these issues. And if more men realize that it's okay not to be manly, so to speak... Um, it's okay to go through and cry at a wholesome meme or um, be able to like give each other a hug just because you're a friend or something like that. If a lot of the barriers that men face emotionally and mentally get broken down and they start realizing that it doesn't make you less of a man to have, like, a woman as an equal, 
which for a lot of men, they think that being an equal is you take care of the house, I go make the money. That's not it. It's the human race needs to be in a partnership. We're not property. We're not, people are not property. They're not lesser beings and things of that nature. And a lot of my angles with the thought pattern is that you have to break the the male aspect of things. As much as I complain about school, um, I had a class for... Um, I, I had one of my classes. I don't, I don't remember which class it was now, but I had to go through and write this big paper in regards to regard in for Shakespeare um that was that I had to pick a play and use something about today's world and write a paper about I use uh uh Coriolanus I can't pronounce the name still um and basically I wrote about the toxic masculinity within the the play um and probably as an academic paper of any academic papers I've written, that was probably the best one that I have written in mm-hmm. that regard. Because um, I didn't really have to pull much from research just to prove my point in that regard, but it was a major paper. But a thing about people and men going through and realizing that life is toxic and there's ways to go about it it it's hard to push through to people to understand this and there's places all over the united states i'm just going to focus on the united states because quite frankly for a lot of the this that's where the worst look who's in office um it's one of those things where until that part of it can get broken, I need to be on the side of feminism just so women can be treated as equals and with respect. Okay, let's uh, dig into your initial thoughts here a minute. Um. So you acknowledge the idea that toxic masculinity is a thing and exists. Um, You also use the phrase, not manly. Um, So let's ask, what does, exclusive of everything society has shoved at you, what does being manly mean to you? Oh, did I ask a stumper? Kind of. Um, what are manly things to you? I know what are manly things to me. I share them on my wall all the time. As in, like, things that I enjoy that I consider manly? No, just, or things that... Just examples of what you consider healthy... Um, meaningful manliness instead of what you would what you would consider toxic. Like, 
non What is a non-toxic manly man? Um. See, that's the thing. There's when you start saying the thing is the word manly needs to get removed from society because it's there shouldn't be a such thing as a manly man, so to speak. There is a person that may like things or not, because I like football, but I'm not so huge into football that I'm going to go through and paint my face and go to games. Okay, that is not... I, I might be able to, but at, the, but at the same time, women mm-hmm. do that too. I was going to point that out. I'm a stupid yeah. super fan of my local college team. <laughs> yes, I see that constantly on Discord. <laughs> um, it's really boils. What it boils down to is that things that are considered "quote unquote." Manly aren't, but people typecast them as manly things that women can partake in, when really it's like, I know women that could change the oil of their car. If I was in a room and an oil needed to be changed, and I was the only guy, bunch of women, I've been asked, hey, can you change this? And I'm like, Oh hell no! I'm calling AAA. <laughs> um, there's things that are looked upon like that. If you're the only dude in the room, you're the one that should be doing it because you're the dude. Just like if you're the only woman in the room, you should be dealing with certain things because you're the woman. And it's one of those things that if if you looked at if most a lot of times if you reverse the two people, they might be better at the thing than what their gender supposedly matches at. So for me, I don't really give a shit about what's manly anymore. I just want people to enjoy things. Okay, that's a good feminist thing. However, it does miss a large part of the question. Let me give you an example and see if that helps. All right. Um, like, non-toxic masculinity is, if you look at pictures of my beloved Buckeyes, when the team captains are walking out for the coin toss, they are holding each other's hands so tightly that you can tell from the tension through the glove that they are holding on for all they're worth and they've got their elbows locked and they're all tucked in next to each other they are just so there for each other pictures of them celebrating uh there are so many hugs they're just very open with their emotions that's non-toxic masculinity they are there in their strength and they're not afraid to cry, to be frustrated, to admit to crying in an interview. 
Um, <clears throat> our coach, our head coach is retiring after the Rose Bowl. Um, anyone who follows college sports who listens to this podcast is, if there is an overlap, is probably well aware of this. Um, a lot of the blog, uh, I read a blog called 11 Warriors. It's about the team. They made a point of stating that our quarterback and other players cried with their coach. That's non-toxic masculinity. They're fully present with themselves and with each other, and no one is being judged for being openly emotional. Another example is, I'm very sports-oriented because sports are a very manly thing. Football is one of the manliest things you can do outside of hockey, and hockey players hug each other all the damn time. All the time. It's crazy. Uh, and they're patent heads, See, that's, that's and they're gentle, and they're openly emotional with their fans. See, that's the funny thing, though. A lot of men that I know that are that would go through the typecast stereotype of that, they they like give a caveat that doesn't count for sports. No, no, that's bullshit. That's what that is. Um. <laughs> That's some men doing manly see, shit. <laughs> I, I see. I agree that it's bullshit. The thing is, it's like for someone that is like thinking just the manly nature, because it's sports, everything that you describe is is the caveat. that It's like the exception to the rule. I mean, the Bruins... What they will do is they will go to children's hospitals dressed as female Disney characters just to cheer up patients. Talk about being gentle with fans. Uh, it's just with, like with, like you said with hockey. It's one of those things where I see all what you're saying and I agree that that's all non-toxic masculinity. And there should be more of that outside of sports. That's like Mr. Okay. Another everybody's example. Because we're the same age. Give or take a few months. Mm -hmm. I might be older. I don't remember when your birthday is. But it's months if not days. Um, Mr. Rogers is the epitome of non-toxic masculinity. Bob Ross too. Yes. Uh, they they were just it's that being present and uh, and having a reaction to things that isn't anger or violence which you know here are them and here is the current prevailing paradigm in our society. The violence and the anger. The feeling entitled to things. So, <clears throat> that leads into another interesting question. Do you feel owed things? Uh, oh no! That's interesting. I mean, you are 
the apex predator in our society. Essentially, you're the top of the heap. You are catered to. You're catered to in entertainment. You're catered to in advertising. Everything is geared to make your life more comfortable. When you're confronted with adversity, or things not going right, or a frustration, do you feel betrayed by society? And owed no, no, I blame myself. Anything that goes wrong, I might complain about it in verbally outside, like, like if I, I might complain about it on Facebook or talk about something like that. But I'm not blame, but deep, but deep down, I don't blame anybody but myself or how my brain is wired or something of that nature. I don't blame anything. Let me rephrase this. There are stuff. There is stuff in my past that probably is rooted that someone someone else probably has caused me to be the way I am or wired the way I am. Mm-hmm. However, because of that, that leads to me basically blaming myself for basically everything. Okay. Um, so when people complain that, why is Thor now a female? I don't care about that. It's, it's comic books. Things go through, storylines change, this, this, this decade she might be a female, next week, next decade she might be an alien from the planet Ulamuga that they create for a movie or something like that. Who knows? People get, people get the, my, me being a, my being a straight cisgendered male and seeing everybody complain about anything that is different that caters to them i'm like what the fuck there is bigger things to worry about someone that a a judge in texas just went through and struck down the um the affordable care act basically and it's like there's bigger things to worry about that the new She-Ra doesn't have like a uh, tight skin tight corset and big boobs. <clears throat> yes. Why would a girl's show have tits and ass in it anyway? Let's think about exactly. that. For example, it's a show to sell toys to girls initially. Why was it full of tits and ass? My theory is that they were still for to sell to the girls, so to speak. It was because of the Barbie setup, and they weren't thinking about it as the action figure setup. But that was that's just my personal theory of that. It's something to dig into, and gays and large, complicated things that we can save for another angry feminist podcast. Um, <clears throat> like we we could probably rant about angry feminist things forever. <laughs> But we're not here to rant about feminism or the lack thereof. Um, and see, let me get, let me just add one more thing about me and feminism. Okay, right? 
almost everything that I'm telling you, someone else has told me. Well, that's how we learn things. So, <laughs> and it's it's not that it's not that I I feel more like I'm less of a feminist and more just like a loudspeaker to echo everybody else. Like I'm not here. I'm just passing along the message. You can't see me. I'm John Cena. <laughs> You're going to have to edit in the fucking intro music and bullshit now. Cause John Cena. Um... <laughs> Copyright. Sorry. <laughs> You can get like the first couple bars. It's fine. No, no, you can't. I, it's Lame. So fair I use. Have, fair yeah. use. It, it, it fair use. It, see, the, when I was first, when I was doing these podcast setups, I was looking into that particular reason about the use of fair use. The only way that you can really use like songs on a podcast or even like a clip of a song is if you are actively on the podcast reviewing that song. Oh, for the love of Christ. How does that even work for buffer music on the radio? Because the radio pays for things. It's because it's radio. Because I wanted to go through originally for this podcast and um, use, I don't remember which song, but I wanted to use like the beginning of a part of a Imagine Dragon song for this particular podcast as the intro. Um, Actually, I think it's Believer by Imagine Dragon. It's just a a clip of it I wanted to use. So I went through and started researching it. It's like, no, you can be sued. And the um, RIAA has done this before. Um, so everything that I've used for this podcast has either been, um, Creative Commons or Gifted, so to speak. Alpha Rift gifted me the new intro music for, from his, from one of his albums, um, to use as my new, my new entrance music for this thing. But I'm still having, like, to scrounge through Creative Commons fair use music for other things that I want to use. So it's one of those things where I understand the point, but I can't even do a couple of bars. In fact, the WWE was sued because another rap group said that they stole, that John Cena stole their entrance part of one of their songs for that song. So that could possibly be a double whammy. So I'm not going okay. to deal with that part. <laughs> uh, that's fair. Let's not go to jail. My lawyer isn't done cooking yet. <clears throat> and I don't want to borrow my friend's expensive entertainment lawyer just to get you out of trouble. Because um, they're expensive. Uh, where were we going with this thought, anyway? Um, oh, it was... This, it was feminism the, and... You that's all and... 
everything that goes back to the whole reason for this podcast. We've come full circle. More Silent Hill references. Um, <clears throat> I'm just a spooky bitch from Silent Hill. Deal with it. Uh, that's how we learn. And clearly, if you're holding on to the information, it means something to you. So, I can I can hold on to a lot of worthless. I mean, you do have too. a lot of nonsense about Harry Potter memorized for no applicable reason. That's fair. Well, I have applicable reasons why it's stuck. Yeah, but, but outside your um, your uh, Alice in Muggleland podcast, it has no functional use, except taking up brain space and occasionally making you pleased that you know it. Hey, it's coming to use in bar trivia. When you when it's the final Jeopardy question and you take home all the dollars, then I'll care. But this is this is a bigger thing than Harry Potter, than something that has a deep emotional resonance for you, which we should get into. But you're holding on to these ideas for a reason. You might not know what it is right now, but there's a reason. And now, the reason that the reason I'm even holding on to this stuff is because my friends have to deal with it, so I should know about it. See, you care because it's important because you want to understand it, which is different from my friends are dealing with it, so I should know about it just because it impacts them. It also impacts you. Because you are the the bearer of not only tremendous privilege, but tremendous burdens when it comes to toxic expectations. I mean, let's let's look at the things that you're not supposed to be able to do as a cishet white dude. Or just a dude in general. Um, keep house. Raise a child. Be emotionally available. Be a functional adult. That's a lot of shitty things to carry around. So, as much shit as everybody else deals with, we gotta deal with that. As well. Because... You being forced into that role oppresses all of us. There's an interesting quote about, it's not men that are the problem, it's patriarchy, which is a system, and it fucks us all. So, yes, more dudes. More dudes in feminism, because we can't dismantle the system without you. This podcast has been brought to you by the Alpha Rip and his... Conversation on well, there's going to be some other stuff because we should probably talk about your obsession with Harry Potter because it's an obsession. Okay, let me go through and I could put this right out there, explain the deep root of where this all comes from, why it's important, why I'm not going to let it go. I could tell you that that's not even a that's not even a question when. 
I was living with my family. Sometimes the only books I had available to escape were my Harry Potter books. So there would be days that the only thing that I could do just to escape my brain was read Harry Potter. For the last three books, the only gift that I got from my family was the Harry Potter books. And that was from my mom, who would drop it on my head on my on my birthday in the morning just so I could be reading it all day on my birthday. So I probably read the books because of basically escapism and so basically I wouldn't kill myself of a hundred to a hundred and fifty times and that's not including all the times that I've listened to them on audiobooks. Okay, so they were a means of escape for you. <laughs> and because of that, I enjoy them. And I, while I, my knowledge is very fluent, and I am the Harry Potter guy to many people, I don't mind that. Okay, that's a really interesting reason to be tied into a book. Didn't expect and that, did It's you? a thing. <laughs> That's happened. That's really sad that those are all the books you had. Because this is a world in which, and a country in which public libraries exist. Could you not get to the library, for the love of God? Um, um, when you, you might know this in Ohio. I don't know the way that Ohio is structured in regards to public transit and whatnot. But where I lived in the South most of this time, I had no car. And you had to drive everywhere. And getting someone to drive you to the library was pretty much impossible if they didn't want to do anything. In fact, there was many, many nights when I was living with my family. They would go through and cook dinner for the family. And then when I came out for dinner, they would go, oh, we thought you weren't here. We didn't cook you anything. And I'm like, every night I'm in my room because I have nowhere to go. So how do you think that I'm not Y'all got feet. So. Legs ain't broke, son. When, well, when (coughs) your library is 15 miles away and you you have to walk on the interstate, with a bunch of drunken rednecks going through the interstate, you don't want to go and get hit by yonder car. Uh, uh, so you, you did you did um, not bring up, that forward very well. <laughs> I, I didn't. It's true, but still, I'm not in my I'm not in my pretend to be a redneck phase, which I've done to horrify. I do you, to horrify. You're not people. attempting to exhibit um, as. Uh, Shout out to Small Town Murder. Um, you're not trying to exhibit the panhandle accent, which uh, is that faux hillbilly hick redneck. They're three separate things. Know the difference. Yep. Um, all three are distinct from white trash as well. 
And see, this is not just the panhandle. This is Louisiana. This is Alabama. This is New Hampshire, because New Hampshire is the <laughs> south of the north. Uh, and Don't they have a panhandle? Uh, or do they just exhibit panhandle behavior? They, they exhibit panhandle behavior. Um, but it really what it boils down to is that when you're in areas where if you don't drive and you have to, and this is before Uber and Lyft and everything like that, you you get, you use what you I can get. I don't comprehend a world and in which people would not l- drop you off at the library while they're running errands. Because my family didn't but Did they errands. just go out back and get the groceries that way? What they did... Most of the time what it was is that they would work at like Walmart or at a supermarket. So they would go to work. They would pick stuff up, then come home. I am so sorry. I have never <laughs> not been able to get to the library if I wanted to go. Well, except maybe when I was living in Cincinnati, and that's only because I didn't know where it was. Oh, and Fairborn, there was a time in which I did not know where the nearest library was, and it was a very sad time, because I had to buy books, and I had no job. It was awful. But basically, my escape was the internet and reading my own books. And that was it. Which is why I'm an avid rereader of everything. I mean, that's good. <laughs> On the subject of, of reading, how is uh, how is your journey with Shadow going? Um, I'm taking that slow because I don't want to uh, rush through it. Because I got it on the audiobook. The audiobook acting, by the way, is super. Oh, it's the 10th anniversary? Um, Okay. I, yeah, I listened to that yeah. one. It's okay. Um, t- compared to other audio yeah. books from what I've read. Um, and I'm including... So I'm basically just basing okay, on that. Okay, because part. we've got um, that acting, and it is not... It is, it, is, it is okay, full cast recording. There are better... I mean, uh, right. Neverwhere is a significantly better full cast recording. Um, but anything that Neil Gaiman assists in narrating is going to be pretty amazing. Um, but the Wednesday in that recording has got nothing on Ian McShane. Just you wait. Hold on to your ass, friend. Um, but where are you in that journey? Um, he just, he's, um, he's talking to, um... I'm going to butcher this. Um, Ibis. Ibis. um, About the ancient Egyptians actually trading in ancient times with the American Indians. (laughs) Um, That's the part where I'm at right now. And how are you doing with this book? Because it's a weird fucking book. And it's very different from the Potterverse. But there are there are also some similarities. 
see let's let's get this let, let's 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 get this a little bit mm-hmm. cl- clarified all right while i am very well versed to the point of obnoxiousness with the with the potter book book first and while i hate literary fiction um because it bores the hell out of me um I do do and have read well, other things. Well, yes, that's how you know you um, hate literary fiction is you've read other things. But I'm going to take um, advantage of being vaguely in charge right now, and I'm going to needle you about some stuff. Like I hate, I don't like urban fantasy. I'm going to read this book that my friend is obsessed with because she's not. She's obsessed with it to the level that I. Th- feel a kinship with her at least on fan level with the way you feel about her I, you feel about the Potter books the way I feel about American Gods and I think that's what's drawn you to it but how are you doing with the journey like so far the, the, so far this is going to be one of those books where I'm going to have to read or listen to at least at least twice to really go through and get things okay. right now i'm doing okay you, you um you got past bill quiz I, which is good i that's weird as fuck yeah i that it that was yes um but basically what and this is gonna sound bad and i don't mean it as an insult but the types of imagery that are have been used um, I've read in other types of gear fiction novels that I like, such as Stephen King, Dean Koontz, things like that. So the fucked upness doesn't really phase me. So it's the characterization that I dive into. Um, the the way that the narration and I'm very big on narration as my final paper has basically said, mm-hmm. you've got to um, have a good storyteller. Otherwise narr- fuck everything. Right. The narration has been well done. Um, you could feel you could, especially when he goes into shadows thoughts, when shadows <laughs> in situations, um, so, so far I'm enjoying it, but I know that I'm going to want to listen to it again to, because I know oh, I'm missing stuff. Oh, you, you I are. Tell, um, I've listened to it um, dozens of times and it was about my third listen through that I got the, it's not like he's doing an underwater escape, like, not yet. For example, with doing it, listening to the audiobooks and even with reading. I almost missed Mr. Nancy. Oh my god, I love Nancy. He's amazing. And I caught it like I caught it while I was like in the middle of commute mm-hmm. and they were all of a sudden they were the person that was doing Mr. Nancy was talking. I'm like, "Wait, when did this character go came?" And I had to like go back a, like a few minutes because I missed the introduction of Mr. Nancy. Um and the only reason I knew that that was important is because um, I know Orlando Bloom, is, or not Orlando Bloom, um, Orlando Jones. Who's Mr. 
Orlando Jones. Thank you. I knew it was Orlando. Um, I know that Orlando Jones was Mr. Nancy for America. Yeah, the, oh so God, he's so good. He's so amazing. <laughs> um, so I wanted to make sure that I caught the introduction of that properly. So I went back. Um, so I try to, whenever I'm listening to it, I'm trying to basically using that as my focus to the point that I don't listen to it before I go to bed. Because if I fall asleep, I know I'm going to just like have to backtrack mm-hmm. through it. And so usually I'm doing it like when I'm on a commute because I have more focus at that point. But between it was an early morning, I was getting jostled around and I missed something. So, um, but I've enjoyed it so far. Good. Um, well, like I said, it's super important to me. And I think it's, especially with you at the point you are in your life, Shadow's a good friend for you to have right now. I mean, do you feel any sort of kinship with this poor, poor bastard? I mean, he's kind of at rock bottom. No? No. No. Well, I mean, you do have a home. So you're one up on him. <laughs> you got a place to you got a place to store your stuff and stuff. <laughs> he has nothing but the clothes on his back and a succession of shitty cars. Well, at this point he can't even use his credit card anymore. Well, he can, um, he's choosing not to. Well, he was told by uh, he was told by his wife not to use the card at this point. His <laughs> um, late wife, dead wife. Yes. Ugh. I I feel a special kinship uh, with Laura. <laughs> and there's a very important lesson I've learned from her, and it's one that everybody should learn. And it's don't have sex in a moving vehicle of any sort <laughs> with anyone uh. ever. You could die. People always are spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. It's in like the first fifty pages. Spoilers. Laura is dead, and you find out why like fifty pages later. This is not a spoiler. Spoilers is what my uh, elaborate theory about why they're releasing it the first Sunday in Lent. Uh, is and it's complicated and I'm not going to talk about it with you because you don't know any of it and I don't want to spoil it for you <laughs> um, but yeah I've been, I've been enjoying it so far good because in you know the podcast where you were interviewing me we did a little bit of talking about books and you were being difficult to read or advisory for and then like a few weeks later, you're like, I'm reading American Gods. Well, the fuck? In, the, in the podcast, <laughs> we, the, in the podcast we did, the debate was what what genre Harry Potter fell yeah, in. Yeah, and 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 I didn't. And I, you said that I read urban fantasy because I read Harry Potter, in which I disagreed. Um. I never said that I didn't like urban fantasy and it's because for example the uh, technically you could consider the odd thomas novels by dean coons 
um, urban They're fantasy. also urban fantasy horror. There's a little bit of overlap, but yeah. yeah. It's... Because I do go through and read stories that are urban fantasy based. It's just that I disagreed with that category for Harry Potter. So I'm a nerd. There's so much urban fantasy and nerddom that you can't escape it. Um, okay, this is all fair, but it is your, it, it is your idiom, um, to be up in all of that urban fantasy goodness. Um, it, I stand corrected that it's not just because Harry Potter, we didn't get into your love of, um, Stephen King and Dean Koontz. So that, that's an interesting mm-hmm. horror overlap. What about what is it about horror that draws you in? See, a lot of honestly, for me, a lot of what I read for Dean Koontz and Stephen King, I wouldn't even define as horror, um, because even though it's even though technically it is, and there's also a lot of things that are even more horrifying and things of that nature. When I think of horror, I think of Freddy and Jason and things like that. The obnoxious slasher flicks that I can't stomach to watch. Anything that I feel like there's a suspense element of like that, um, I watch with my eyes closed. I remember going to see The Haunting in theaters, and I had my eyes closed throughout the almost whole entire thing because I was expecting someone to get their head chopped off. Um, but for me, a lot of what they write isn't really, and I can see where the horror elements would come in, but I don't see it as horror. Um, uh, Stephen King, what that boiled down to is I was in fourth grade. Um, my older sister was tired of my mom just brushing her off whenever she wanted to talk to her about this new Stephen King book she read. Um, so she wanted someone to talk to about books for Stephen King and said, hey, you should read this book. It has werewolves in it. And I was like, ooh, okay. So here I am, fourth grade, reading The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Starr, um, which is where I learned to curse and cursed out my fourth grade teacher. (laughs) Um, uh, And the thing is, my sister took it away from me because I didn't read a section properly that she felt was an important section and thought I wasn't really reading it. So then, when I because I did know where my library was, I was able to go to the library to get it on my own and read it. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, yeah, here's this fourth grader going to the library and with the big book. He's like, here, I want to check this out and looking at you funny. I'm like, yes, I know. I started reading it. My sister took it away. Wait, you started reading it? I'm like, yes, I know. Go away. <laughs> um, because in sixth, grade, in sixth grade, I did an oral report on that book and my teacher quizzed me in front of the class by taking the book and reading sections of it to herself, then quizzing me on it. And I was like giving her all the answers to show that I actually read the book. (laughs) Yeah. We grew up in an era where there wasn't a lot of young adult fiction 
in that like fifth grade for so for advanced readers there's fat quotation marks in in the air here i'm doing a thing with my hands um that you can't see thank god i don't have any makeup on and i'm in fuzzy pajamas so and there's your outtake um <laughs> is that hot model you interviewed in fuzzy pajamas um there was a face with that too and you also missed it it was good it was stupid <laughs> but we grew up where there wasn't fiction for young adult readers you went from ramona quimby and nancy drew and norby do you remember fucking norby it's asimov for kids to foundation there was no in between i was reading fifth, fourth fifth sixth grade things like deer skin by robin mckinley i'm a big fantasy nerd i was reading that i was reading stephen donaldson which no sixth grader should have to deal with because you have no capacity for that level of book but there was there there was no harry potter so we had to read dean Koontz and we had to read stephen king eyes of the dragon i read that several times and if that's not horror that's not fantasy horror i don't know what is that was some fucked up shit <laughs> yeah so i was re- basically then it's like turned into Whenever my sister left her newest book in the bathroom, I would take the book and read it because that was my access to other books. So granted, I went through and to be quite honest, I was the one that got her into reading Harry Potter. I was also the one that got her oh into my reading God, The Wheel I gave of up Time. On that shit. Um, I gave up on reading it at like book six and a half. I finished it on audiobook. I um, I I love Aradani Studios, and I love the art they do based on that world, and it's amazing stuff. It's their official artists for it, and I love those guys, and I love that they mm-hmm. have this thing that they illustrate. But dude, if if you're introducing an entire second group of characters and basically starting the series over with a bunch of people, I do not care about. And have not been asked to care about because they've been cer- they've been fucking off in the background, doing background character stuff. I'm done with you. Wheel of Time, you gave us people. You See, followed that's... it for a while, and then they're like, "We're gonna ignore all of these people we've spent books and books caring about, and focus on this entire other aspect." No, no. Finish your first story. Then tell me the second. Then then tell me the story of the background characters. That's a narrative. Yeah, see, that's that's why I stopped around like book six and a half. And there's so many names that are so similar. Yeah, I can't care about them. On top of it, they were good until I stopped being able to care about them. I was in college too, so I couldn't devote my life to reading the books as they came out. As, you know, when we were in eighth grade and they were the thing. 
Oh God, we're so old. Because I think that's when that's. I think I was in eighth grade the first time I picked up Wheel of Time. <sighs> but there is like a hundred and something different points of mm -hmm. view for the Wheel of Time, and that's that's at least. 95 points That's of like view. That's like 99. Many. Too many. Um, <laughs> possibly not, possibly unfair on my part, but this is our podcast. We say what we want. Um. Um, but my friend John was at, uh, we, we were at the mall and he was at, um, I think Walden books of all places. I don't think they even exist now. Um, and they were like, this, buy four fantasy novels, get the fifth one free. And he's like, ooh, all right. And he's going through, picking up fantasy novels, and he can't figure out the free one. And he goes, hey, Bill, have you read The Wheel of Time? And I'm like, no. He goes, now you are. And he uses that oh. as the fifth book. <laughs> um, and then I then he started like handing me the books as I finished them, because he had them on his own shelf. <laughs> um. But yeah, that but um, that's another series that I go through and reread, re-listen to on a semi-regular basis when I don't feel like listening to Harry Potter. Not because because it's mm. it's good background mm -hmm. noise at this point. Um, I'd rather have an audiobook going on background than like a video mm -hmm. or something like that. That makes. But then it's like you have Stephen, you have um, with Stephen King, you have basically um, the Dark Tower series, which basically all the books are somehow related to the Dark Tower. It really turns out to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's some I there pain meds and cocaine. That's the only re that's the only way I can describe it. Is the later books in the Dark Tower series is um, pain meds and cocaine because the um. Well, yes, he, yes, he yeah, got hit by a van, van, and that sucks. Uh, the cocaine was earlier, but mostly pain meds, uh, because as he was writing them, he could reference Harry Potter. Spoilers! Did you read the later ones? Okay, good. Then we can talk about this. Yes. Um. I finished this. I I kind of I kind of hated the ending okay. of it. Um. And I, and I hate I hated the ending for. The reason that um, they hinted in his in his series, whatnot, he has the books, the Talisman and the Black House. Um, for the longest time, probably because it was like the first adult novel that I read, the Talisman, which um, the the main character was a twelve year old boy, um, was like my favorite book ever, and then he did a a sequel to it called The Black House, where at the end of it, the main character, who is now an adult, was in basically mm -hmm. Roland's world for good. Um, and he, they, he like so heavily hinted that this character was going to wind up being in the near the end books, the way that was written, to the point that um, 
there's a part of the you might remember this or not. Eddie goes off and mm-hmm. says, and they basically save Stephen King. Well, why don't we just have him write a uh, a world famous detective? And that was referencing Jack Sawyer from his other book. And I'm like, and I'm like, there was no show. I'm like, crap, this sucks. I hate this. I just. God, it just got so weird for me. It's like, why the the it, why is the golden snitch trying to kill people? And why is Thomas the Tank Engine extra scary? I mean, as if that wasn't a horror, uh, a dystopian horror world anyway. Um, now Stephen King has made it a thousand times worse with Blaine the Mono. It can't be any any less insane but uh i just that's another series i finished it because it wasn't a thousand books long but i did it out of professional right duty i didn't read it because i wanted to i read it because i needed to like finishing the Harry Potter books because there came a point where there were for me too many plot holes um, and logic issues but we went over those we'll say we'll save the yes, fill the plot I holes podcast I shouldn't for have to time. <laughs> read supplemental in material after the fact when you realized and you went back and you patched your plot holes and tried to pretend like we wouldn't notice. I'm looking at you, Games Workshop. Um, I'm looking at you in particular, Dan Abnett. I'm still angry about Try Again Bragg. I will be angry about that character's death until my dying day. Is there something, is there a death in a novel that you refuse to get over? If you say Hedwig, I'm going to reach through the, reach through the screen and smack you. That's one of them. Um, I just want to say one more thing about Hed, one thing about Hedwig though. I'll just say this outright. Um, I hate how the books killed Hedwig. I like if I appreciated how the movies at least had her die is at least in the movie, she like died as a hero and mm-hmm. the book, she just died in her cage. So it's like, I was like, really, you had to kill her off like that. I almost stopped reading it at that point. But, um, but going back, um, first one would be Wolf from, uh, the talisman. um, I still cry when I read that. Um, and then, of, of course, for many, Dobby. Um, basically, I could probably figure... I could, someone will probably come to mind afterwards, but those are the two that, when it comes down to reading, that pop out immediately to Okay. Me. Has there ever been any? Has there ever been something an author's done? Gone. Oh, I, I, um, it go for Dean Koontz. Um, 
Odd Thomas's girlfriend Stormy when he when we come to the realization that she actually did die in the first book. Um, that also was it. But all okay, right, that's you're it. still reading these. You you've still continued to read both and reread both these authors. Whereas Dan Abnett made me swear off the Gaunt's Ghost the- stories, and I'm not going to read anything he's ever he he writes from the point where he, in my opinion did not gave a character an unworthy death like it was the level of i'm going to reference the star wars extended universe don't at me or better yet at me bro i'll fight you um i'll fight you about how most of that stuff is bullshit um cuz it is um there was some good stuff there's a lot of bad stuff That's another discussion on my Facebook wall. Um, I stopped reading because I was that angry at the author. Then, like, how could you be such... How could you do this? You had a perfectly good ending on your novel and then you tacked on this bullshit. I can't trust you anymore to give me a good story. So I stopped reading him. Have you ever stopped reading an author because you got so pissed off at their writing and what they did? Yeah. George R. R. Martin. We gonna get some ats. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Wow. (laughs) You fucked off early. (coughs) Who was it? Who'd they kill? Who'd he kill that you thought was bullshit? Um, Uh, Ed Stark. Um, I threw the book across the room, said, fuck you, George R. R. Martin, and never picked up a Game of Thrones book since. But since I don't live in a cave, I basically Yeah, know I haven't read any of the novels either, of the because I thank you, Robert Jordan, um, for sparing me all of the bullshit with George R. R. Martin. I ain't gonna read that shit till he's dead and they're done. Whichever one comes first. Well, that's one of the... Well, basically, people are like, oh, you like The Wheel of Time? Well, you like Game of Thrones. I'm like, no. Yeah, people are people I'm have good. come to me are the same way. What do you mean you haven't read Game of Thrones? I'm waiting for him to be done before I get started. Robert Jordan, Jordan ruined it for everybody. Um, that's pretty amazing that you were like, fuck this, fuck everybody, double guns, I'm out. Now... Have you read any Stephen Donaldson before? No. Okay. Um, based on your reaction to Martin, I would suggest that you continue to not read anything but his short stories. <laughs> uh, because he likes to torture his characters. And, um, which I suppose can let me ask you, have you ever, in or out of your Harry Potter reading experience, come across something that besides class we're not talking about your literary fiction class because we're going to talk about real books here um at me i'm a librarian i can have a professional opinion (laughs) um outside of stuff you've been forced to read 
Have you ever ground out something that in the first hundred pages made you uncomfortable? Enough that you might have wanted to put it down? Or did you just walk away from all unpleasant, all unpleasant reading experiences? The closest thing... The closest thing probably would have wound up being Game of Thrones, if you think about it. Um, but how you describe that question... Um, I continued. I continued to read a book series because it was an absolute train wreck, um, and I couldn't stop reading it because of it. Um, and I actually didn't read the first book because I was done with the massacre of said train wreck, um, which is the Left Behind series. Oh my god! Now you remember when I said that. I wasn't sure if I am the way I am because of where I live. Mm -hmm. In the South, that was like the only thing that people around me read. Well, yeah, I I get that you were (laughs) in the den of bunkers. Um, Yeah, so so I wound up reading it and I just kept on going... What the fuck am I reading? Why don't I stop reading it? And it's not like it's it's not like it's good. It's just like I just wanted to see the continue to see how much horror was on display. Those books were horror books. <laughs> um, uh, I wound up not reading the last one because, and supposedly the last one that's when Jesus shows up. Um, but. Because I had like a good two year break from reading the books, and the next time the next one came out or something like that, I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I'm done. <laughs> but you kept going, except for when you, you got away from it. So, well, no, no, well, it was like when I moved. Mm-hmm. I was doing so much work when I moved to Louisiana that I didn't really have time to deal with it because to get away from my family, I was working as much overtime as possible. Mm-hmm. So I was able to like not deal with that. <laughs> hmm. That's fascinating because you did eventually give up. Um, I have a very uncomfortable relationship with Stephen Donaldson, the author, um, just because, like I said, within the first hundred pages of his book, you're going to want to throw it against the wall and be like, what the fuck am I reading? What are you doing? I don't want to care about this person. Your protagonist is a horrible person. And then you keep reading. <laughs> like You throw it against See, the wall, you pick it up, and you're like, okay, what's next? And it's just ugh, big, yeah, horrible, see. uncomfortable. I like I can't I don't know if I can go back and read the Coven the Thomas Covenant books. And I want to, because right. I want to finish them. They're very important they're important books to me. Um I identify with different characters, mostly female in them and i think some and sometimes when i'm reading 
about the not Earth setting. The Donaldson is from Ohio, right? So, um, I want to support the hometown crowd. Um, right. Go Ohio authors, but he doesn't say this is drawn from a place from this is drawn from somewhere in Ohio, but he's describing places that I almost know that I could go to. And while they wouldn't be a fantasy setting, that's, you know, I would be there. I would see the inspiration for the book. Right. Yeah. Being in the Boston area and with your Stephen King under your belt, is there anywhere you've ever been that made you think of something you've read? Going to Harry Potter World doesn't count. No, and I have I actually never been to Harry Potter World, so um um No, not really, because even with Stephen King, he, he a lot of his earlier stuff was in a fake town in Maine. Um, and to be quite honest, I didn't read a lot of his earlier stuff, um, because that's probably where he is probably the most horror horror. Um, I wanted to read more of his later stuff in, in a lot of the, uh, and, and like you with the stand, um, I read the revised version where he updated a little, a few things just to make it a little bit more, uh, more up to date at the time, so to speak. But, um. There's nothing that I've gone through and I've read that made me think if I or gone somewhere and think, oh, just like out of the book or anything like that. Even when Stephen King writes about New York City, he writes about a version of New York City because he doesn't he he used the city to fit his story, not the story to fit the city, so to speak. Um so I usually don't think about that type of thing when I'm reading books that's a way to think about it so we've been all over the place how's your add these days unmedicated why because it just is i need them to invent an add shot ADHD shot that I go get monthly so I don't have to remember to take my medicine. That's before, not how but, neurotransmitters oh, work, honey. There's never going to be a thing. I understand that. It's just that no matter what I usually do to try to combat the forgetting things of that, I still forget, and I just, I have, like, maybe a good four-month supply of Wilbrutrin right now, sitting in my room, Mm -hmm. that I just haven't taken. Why? Because I keep on forgetting that I have to take it. And by the time I remember to take it, it's too late to take it. There's not really a thing. For Wilbutrin, there is. It's about trying to get sleep. 
Usually the time I remember to take it, I'm like at home getting ready to go to bed. It's like, crap, I need to take my little butrin. There's a face that goes with this moment. <laughs> I can send you some, some examples of it to include with this podcast because there's a face. I get it. I do. Some days I forget my meds. And I can tell when I do it. But you can't. It's like food. I've also found that um, antidepressants and my ADHD really don't go together well at all. Like, Basically. give me the speed and leave me alone. Did skip the you trend. Well, basically, it's like the what my doctor is was trying to do. Basically, is like, all right, we're gonna try using the Wellbutrin because you of your depression to also try to help with your ADHD. That's and, n- no, no. That's not how any of this works. It because it does work for some people. Uh, the problem is is that either way, it's like, then it's like, I go back to the doctor's like, so how's the medication going? And I'm like, it's not. Uh, um, it's like, why have you been taking it? Because no matter what I do, I forget. Which means we I need tried, to stop using I, the Wellbutrin. I tried reminders. I tr- even when I was on uh, even when I was on Adderall, it was the same thing. It was I need remind. I I tried reminders. I've tried multiple reminders. I've tried tacking it in front of my door right before I leave the house. I tried putting it in next to my toothbrush. I tried putting things in my pockets, putting it in my wallet. But the thing is, because I usually lack spoons, a lot of times I forget to prep various things because I'm just out of energy when I get home. Mm-hmm. And thus, I because I don't prep it, or I forget to prep it, or I don't have time to do that, I start missing it, and then I continue to miss it. Because... In my case, it's like, yeah, everything people describe is great, except it just doesn't work for me. And it's completely my fault. I'm not saying it's not anybody else's fault other than my own, just like I mentioned before near the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. It's just that everything I've tried, it's failed. And things that people suggest, there's like, I tried it, I failed it. I've used post-it notes, I've used everything. It just doesn't happen. I got to the point where one of my thought, one of my issues was that I would forget that I forgot, so I didn't want to double up on accident, because that could be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I've done that. I've taken too much antidepressant, and that will fuck your shit up real fast. So... I went through and I ordered, started ordering from PillPack, 
which divides it up into handy dandy little servings per <coughs> time you need to take it. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to go through the whole process of dealing with a filling up my pills every week in a pill dispenser thing. You know, there's no way I'm going to do that. That I was going through and I was tacking up the little packet on my door mm-hmm. to remember to take it before I walked out the door. And I did that successfully for maybe a month. And then one day I forgot to do it and it just went. But and, and then it goes into t- that type of thing. <sighs> There's so much to unpack here. So much. But that's probably not something we want to do in a public forum like this. On display. That's why there's Patreon only I mean, parts of it. <laughs> even that. Because, you know, if you put out there, we get deep into my mental health issues with an armchair psych- <laughs> A psychologist whose only training is in distance discipline. Um, that's going to get the wrong viewers. And I don't think we want that kind of friendship. All right. Let's go through and just let, let's just go do uh, surface thoughts of another thing that you wanted to unpack. Oh, there's so much. You're such a fascinating creature. Humans, to me, are extremely interesting, and you, who say you have no identity of your own, are pr- is probably one of the most fascinating, because from the outsider perspective, you have a personality, and you have an identity, and it's very I'm- present and very strong. I understand that you come from a place where you doubt yourself and that's an interesting place to be sitting so when I'm observing you what fascinates me is where the disconnect comes from with you from what you between what you present and what you feel is true does that make sense it makes sense. It's really what it boils down to is that I don't have the one thing that I'm like, I can honestly feel that I'm like, I will die on this hill because of me. Not because of anybody else, because of me. That's everything about me is all because of everybody else. And I don't feel it's really about me. That could I mean get into the Hufflepuffery. That is totally into the whole Hufflepuffery. <laughs> that that's probably the big reason why I'm a Hufflepuff. Right there. Um But even then, it's not that it, it, it's not that it, that's the best way that I could describe how I am outwardly to people. 
and how people around me are important because of who they are. But it's not because of me. But they matter to you. You care because they matter to you. Not because you're selfish. Well, it is a sort of selfishness and it is a sort of possessiveness. Um, But it's the healthy sort. Um, You very ferociously care about things because they are important. And the reason they're important to you is because they impact people you care about. Otherwise, you don't give a fuck. And the fact to me that's fascinating with all this is that you don't see that that point, that bridge. That this thing matters because it impacts other people. We're going to go back to feminism here for a hot second. Um, but LGBTQ issues and... and um, touching people with consent and sex positivity and not shunning sex workers and all that all that shit that impacts people you know um, and people you care about if they didn't matter to you none of it would cross your mind I don't think but because you're traveling through life through your connections to other people you care about things that impact them because you selfishly want these people you care about to have the best lives possible because that makes you happy knowing that they're happy does that sound fair? did I use too many words? I see what no, you didn't use too many words. I see where you're getting that. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like you mentioned, going back when you mentioned that, it's imposter syndrome. I don't know if that's really it or not. You have a lot of self-doubt, and I wonder, and you know, that's something I don't know where it comes from. Part of it comes from, I'm pretty sure, your emotionally abusive relationship with your ex and your extremely negative living situation now. I know nothing about before I hopped on this trolley car um, and we're going towards that that switch. Someone's going to pull that switch and people are going to die. I'm along for this ride. It's okay. Um, Whatever we run over is what we run over. I cannot affect the outcome. Um, But you don't... You've had a lot of your identity shaken. Because you had a long-term relationship into which you sank a lot of yourself. And that fell apart. While other things that were very deeply important to you in your life also fell apart. Let me try to. I don't think I put ever expressed this directly to you. Um, I mentioned it to other people, um, and I've mentioned this to my therapist too. Mm-hmm. So before anybody asks that, this is uh, part of it. 
before my ex, mm-hmm. pretty much everything was bad. Okay. I cannot tell you one truly happy moment in my life before my ex. Uh, that right? makes things ultra fiddly. Oof. <laughs> Oof. This is some fun shit to tap dance through. <laughs> so then I had my time with my the first four and a half years of my ex. On the surface, everything was wonderful. It's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of crap that I've been digging out through that wasn't wonderful, but there it was wonderful in comparison. Well, yeah, just because you're not on fire doesn't mean you're not still standing in shit. Um. However, when. And basically, I while I joke to people, I really am not. Um, I know that if, unfortunately, if she asked me to come back, I'd go. I would have to come stop you. Yeah, and see, you wouldn't be, and due to, um, unfortunately, distance, um, by the time you got here to stop me, you would be having to fight over my body parts because I know at least four people locally who would kill me. Well, see, (laughs) killing you doesn't solve the problem. It it would because it would completely put me out of my misery. Except you're not in your misery. You just... No, no, I... You're done with your misery. The misery happened. We don't want you to go back to the misery. That's why we would come and fight you, but not kill you. Because we want you to get past it. And that is a really fascinating thing about you. Is but anyway, I I think, and you can tell me if this is fair. You're a little afraid of really being happy because you've never been it before. I mean, have you? We started. I was happy then. Were you? Yes. Were you really? The first four years, yes. That's the issue. I don't have anything else that makes me think happy until I go there and I can't have that anymore. Because that's you know, here, drink some drink some antifreeze. It'll because that's kind of where you're at with that. Antifreeze a little bit puts you in a fun place. Or like a little cough syrup and gin. And see, that's that's even the worst thing. That'll put you All in right, a place, ha- but too much of that'll <laughs> fucking kill you. Real fast. See, see that's the, that's another funny thing. It's like, any, I'm, uh, I'm not even sure that medication works for me. Because... Anything that's supposed to put me in some type of even remotely altered state or make me, like, even medically feel better, like, I'm talking about pot here, doesn't work. <laughs> At all. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, your, ne- that's your neurochemistry. It, it's fine. Um, 
I'm pretty sure that with between my caffeine habit and my uh, medical grade meth habit, um, also known as Adderall, good Coke would put me to sleep. I'd just be like, I feel so fucking normal. I'm going to take a nap because I don't need to waste any energy on anything now. I'm either going to do all the fucking things or sleep. You know, maybe that should try Coke. Uh, let's not try Coke. <laughs> let's stick with the medical... Because I mean, we can't be sure it's medically se- it's medically pure. Stick with the medical <laughs> meth. Take the Adderall. It's safer. It's been lab-created, and it's pure. It's fine. Adderall, honestly, when I, when I did take Adderall on the regular basis for two months, I didn't feel anything different. You... Don't, except maybe not hungry. Um, from my experience with it, you don't feel anything different. Things are just easier. The one thing I noticed, and I don't know if this is part of what drove you away from it again, is I got fucking irritated by everything. Everything. Because I wasn't stumbling around in a haze anymore, trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. I could pay attention to stuff. And I realized that I couldn't stand a lot of the people I'd been hanging out with. Because everything they did no. was shitty and it annoyed me. No, it it didn't it didn't like lift any haze or anything like that. Um I still retained hyper focus. Well, yes, I, I still have that too. Um, it's like the reason that the primary reason was the idea for me to even take Adderall to begin with was to try to have like mental energy just so I could get through the day and not be worn out mentally from the everything for the ADHD. Mm-hmm. But that didn't help any. Um, and this is with like changes of doses and everything like that. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that store-bought neurotransmitters are a bad thing, and I'm not saying that they don't work. Good, because we'd have to stop being friends. Right. I, I'm just, I just wonder if they until they go through and figure out a way to, like, or I can figure out a way to, like, make sure I have something every day that they work for me, because you just... Is that like a walk around in a haze? But some days I can just, like, sit in survival, so to speak. Everything is just so overwhelming. All the fucking time. Cause... So basically, it's just that I just think that because there's, so far it's like with the drugs, many of the drugs that I had tried, I had some type of reaction to, mm-hmm. which basically it's like, nope, don't take that anymore. It's not going to work for you. <laughs> um, uh, like, for example, when I tried like some anti-anxiety, some other things like Prozac, uh, Zoloft, things like that. 
I got extremely jittery. Mm-hmm. Like, bad jitters. So, and it's like, it wasn't like just the first dose, your body starts getting used to it. It's like, yeah, I can't, I can't function jittery. Um, the only thing that remotely even seemed to do anything was Wellbutrin. And after a while, even when I was taking it, it felt like nothing was happening. And I started, get, I got to the point of the Wellbutrin is like, we can't give you more of this because that's when it starts getting to toxic levels. Mm-hmm. I have this feeling that when it comes down to like medications and things like that, my body just gets used to it and just starts absorbing it and like putting it away for later mm-hmm. instead of actually using it at the time, mm-hmm. which is why I think that I have perfectly fine, even though I'm an overweight bastard, I have perfectly fine blood pressure, perfectly fine, everything else. <laughs> Let's take all the good shit and save it for later when we need it. <laughs> I can get that. Although you have, uh, you, you you do have a stimulant coping mechanism on a much lower grade. Let's talk about your caffeine habit, shall we? I want to say it's not really a habit. Can you go without it? I have. Has How's your life? It doesn't seem to make any change. That you observe. You're with you all day. All day. All night. All the fucking time. It's really hard, I've noticed, to observe yourself unless you get into the practice of it. And, you know, sometimes I have to check in with other people. I have a panel of people I check in with and I'm like, hey, am I being extra stupid lately or extra weird? And they'll talk um, to me about it. And I'm like, oh, thank you for the insight. I am glad that I have you around because you're not going to bullshit me. You people know who you are. Uh, I had given up caffeine period for a course of I would say a year and a half. Okay. Um, no soda, no coffee, no tea. Um, I started putting coffee back into my diet. Um, shortly after I got promoted because I was trying to find something that would keep me focused Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't lose focus because one of my things with my job is it's got a lot of very Mm self-starting things and sometimes I would just like I would either I would hyper focus on one task or I would wander off so Mm -hmm. to speak in my own head when i should be multitasking Mm -hmm. um so i started bringing coffee back there um the only thing that happened in that one that i can feel happened in that one in the half years is i lost a shit ton of weight 
Well, that's um, because you load because... down your coffee. <laughs> no, no, that's because I load down my soda. Most of my caffeine I was getting was from Coca-Cola. Yeah, no, that, that'll... I, the reason I gave up coffee and tea at the same time is you said put so much sugar in them that if I didn't give those up, I'd just go back to soda. Mm-hmm. So you know how I joked about the Coke yeah. before? Uh, when I gave up soda, um, I gave up soda maybe about, I want to say like, I gave up soda about two months after I moved out of my ex's mm-hmm. apartment um, for about a month and a half. I was basically having what was described by my therapist as heroin addict equivalent withdrawal symptoms. Sugar's a hell of a drug. Um, yep. Um, and my running joke was, why did I give up soda? Soda never gave up me. <laughs> um, because at the times, literally the only pleasure in my day was opening a new Coke and drinking it. See, that's that's not a good relationship to have with food. It isn't. I got to the point that when I actually put on a 2XL shirt and I took a picture of it, I was like, that can't be me. Because I actually, like, look good. I will. I would occasionally... I. I went through and I showed that picture to my team a couple months ago, and they're like, holy shit, Bill was skinny. <laughs> um, I'm like, no, it's good angles, just like people do on Instagram. <laughs> um, but uh, I regained all of that in the past year. Um, and that's basically because of needing something to even remotely keep me going while I'm at work. Well, if you could drink black coffee like a grown-ass adult, you wouldn't have put all that weight back on. Shaming you. I'm, yeah, I'm being well, an elitist uh, coffee uh, bitch and shaming you. Uh, Deal with it. I, I, I know, I know you are. I, and I understand, that, I understand that people like your hot bean juice. Um, but I drink so much sugar in my stuff that it isn't working. It isn't healthy Um, for you. You've negated the health benefits of coffee. Four cups of coffee a day have been proven to be good for you and to help your brain, except you ruin them with five pounds of sugar. What I was getting ready to say is that I'm trying an alternative for at least while Mm -hmm. I'm at work. of the matcha tea, which has a good amount of caffeine, mm-hmm. and I can drink without any added sugar. I'm very proud of you for making this decision. I try not to be super overly effusively positive about your life at you in public, mostly because I know that you'll flail about it. But um, I'm trying to do that more often. How's it um, working? Basically, I realized that um, 
the lobby of Big T has made me buy something that I really didn't need um, to actually make this said tea. Um, so other than that, it's okay, I think. Um, it's still a work in progress. But I haven't really gone to Dunks except for like once in the past uh, week or so since I got my recent powders. And you have to get it mixed up, otherwise it tastes like shit. Well, that's the thing. It's like you need to either need to use a, a a whisk or you need to use a shaker. And I'm like, you know what? You could also use uh two two stirring straws and stir. No, it it's not the same. <laughs> it tastes exactly the same as they make it downstairs. <laughs> For what they make downstairs, because I drink it every time, every once in a while, when I want something a little bit sweet, I'll get the matcha lemonade from downstairs. But the way that they make the tea with the shaker and everything like that, and the matcha, I when I make it with just vigorously stirring with the two stirs, it tastes exactly the same. Or at least I've trained myself to think it tastes exactly the same. You could probably have trained yourself to think it tastes the same. But I'm not adding sugar. That is the, that, I, I understand that's the critical part. There's a lot of teas you could drink that don't require sugar as well. Yeah, but they taste like leaf juice. The face <laughs> that I'm making... I just... Why am I friends with you? She asked her. And the thing is, it's like a part of me hates drinking tea. Not because I hate the joke about leaf you juice. You hate your life. But I would buy. I would buy. No, 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 no. This goes back to the mm-hmm. ex. I would buy her so much fancy tea that she enjoyed because she was like, I must have loose tea and, a, and just going through the whole tea shenanigans. Um. That a part of me is like, ugh, this is her drink. But at the same time, I know she didn't drink exactly what I'm drinking, so I'm like, I'm okay with this. Oh, <laughs> so she's poisoned everything that could possibly give you joy. And she, every everything she liked are things that I would like to have a, an impassioned conversation with you about, but I don't want to trip any fucking triggers, so I'm just going to have to kill her. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> It's a Highlander situation. There can be only one neurotic tea snob in your life. And it's me now. So I must get rid of others. A a friend of mine had posted something about why would somebody have multiple tea kettles on multiple floors and they didn't understand it. And I explained exactly why. And I said, but I don't drink tea. My ex did. And they're like, oh, crap. I'm sorry for bringing it up. Well, I have an electric kettle. (laughs) It lives upstairs on the kitchen counter. There are many tea drinkers in this house. My ex had an electric tea kettle in the office 
in the bedroom, in the basement, and okay, in the that's too many. <laughs> because that's not honoring the tea. Oh, she had a regular kettle down in the kitchen too. The only reason that she only used the electric tea kettle in the, was in the morning when she was in a really big rush to get to work. I used the electric kettle for even making coffee. I don't. It's not the electric kettle that's the problem here. It's the not giving the tea its own place and allowing the ritual of baking the cup of tea to happen. Oh, she had... Th- she had the tea's own place in the bedroom, the tea's own place in the office, the tea's own place in the kitchen, the tea's own place in the basement. She had, like, a, a way to get it squared away properly in each of these rooms. She was a fanatic. <laughs> She's, she joined a cult. She needs to call her dad. Someone needs to call her dad. She's in a cult. It's a one-person cult. I would have done. I would have done that, but her parents never knew. Now, see, there's your first problem with that relationship. You didn't. Yeah, I haven't. You didn't deserve to exist. I haven't. I haven't. I hadn't sent you the document of the ex. So, (laughs) well, I, I, I don't want to read it. I, I want to, because the, there's not enough emotional content there. Um, that's you can re-interview me about my weirdness after this. I have a feeling this is going to just be a series of conversations back and forth. By the end of it, are you aware we've been talking for two and a half hours almost? Yes, because I think that about maybe an hour of this content is going to go on um, Patreon because it's all about you. Uh, and the hour and a half will be it'll be a mixture of si- silence and me trying to explain myself. Well, the the sharing stories back and forth has drawn you out a lot more than if I just said answer this question, is you'd go duh <laughs> um words. Am I wrong? Because <laughs> you know, I- well. The reason that I'm even sharing stories is because it's a matter of deflecting. Yeah, I know. I know. So. But you, I can't ask you straight out questions. You don't answer them. The thing is, it's like, it's not that I don't answer them. It's just hard sometimes to wrap my head around the question. And I try to wrap my head around it first before getting clarification. So we're learning the interview pro- we're learning the interviewee process through this. Possibly, yep. So it's not a complete wasted two and a half hours of time. <laughs> Which is good. At least you've got an hour and a half of content and a couple of fun outtakes. Um but just is there anything else that you want to know before we try to wrap up? Oh, yes, but we should try to wrap up. Um, I can always <laughs> interrogate you sideways later. You've told me, uh, you've told a lot of interesting things. 
whether you realize it or not. Um, and I think that's the interesting thing about talk. Anytime I talk to you, um, I learn more and it gives an insight into you that I wouldn't otherwise get in this format. Um, like I could have asked you a bunch of questions about LARP, but why? That's just going to both, that's just going to rile us both up and make us both uncomfortable. Asking you about books is somewhere we can meet that's comfortable for us. Well, see, it's like asking me about LARP, it's less about, would be less about making me feel uncomfortable on my side. It's, it, it's more the fact that I'm to the point that I feel like LARP is something I used to do. Mm -hmm. Because, which is making me really seriously making sure I really consider my membership when it's due. I haven't LARPed in like a year and a half. Like actually truly went to a LARP to LARP. So what's the point of me giving $20 for something I'm not doing anymore? And that, you know, that's a perfectly valid thing. Um, yeah. I'm at a different point with it. And I don't want to be there again for the second time in 24 hours. Um, right. Let's not yeah. go there. Then. Which is why I kind of, it, it's not a relevant point of conversation for us anymore but it's one of those things where yeah it's like what i don't know i'm at the point now where i need a complete entire figuring out who i am and that's why this podcast mm -hmm. exists because you i it's really fascinating to watch this process because i've lived a bit through it the whole figuring out um and watching you do that and watching you make connections with people and all that stuff is very interesting and i think in a couple months if we come back to this conversation and we have another talk that it'll be a you'll be a completely different person Nah, well, we'll see. Uh, it's the same you, but a different evolution of you. It's it's a complicated metaphysical metaphor that no one is going to care about but me. Yeah, well, you know who's not going to know about this podcast? Anybody that I might feature feature date for the longest time. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why are you afraid of? letting this vulnerability be a thing. No, I, I just think I saw I hate the sound of my voice too, but here we are. <laughs> Suck it up, Buttercup. <laughs> no, I, that's that's literally it. I just think I sound <laughs> Me too. Um, We're both trash. I'll, I'll let them know about the other... I'll let them know about the other podcast. <laughs> um...